Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Can you believe this? Looking to push tempo here, the Pelicans. Hold that follow through. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. Welcome in and what the Pell is up, everybody. This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started, you know what to do. Make sure that you are subscribed and or you follow, depending on where you're listening to this podcast. And if you are on Apple Podcasts, you scroll to the bottom and leave that rate and review. Again, that really helps us out. We're working our way up to 100. We are currently at around 40 or 41, I believe. So you guys have been doing that, and we appreciate it so much. Now, to the thing that uh, we all know is your number one concern at this moment in time, especially with everything going on in our country, the New Orleans Pelicans are openly discussing star Drew Holiday and trade talks and several contending teams are pursuing. Sources tell The Athletic and Stadium per Shams Sharania. I believe he's the head NBA guy for The Athletic. I know you know, he and Woj are kind of the newsbreaker guys. Obviously, this time it was Shams. But uh, this this conversation has basically been around since pre-trade deadline last year for the Pels. It didn't come to fruition, obviously. I think giving that core with Drew and Zion especially some time to figure it out to see if they work together. Obviously, given the state of everything that happened this last season and the state of Zion's health, it wasn't to be expected for them to really get a ton of time together. So you got to go with the sample size that's available. They won some games. They won some pretty important games. They went on a little bit of a stretch there and played really well. And then the bubble came around and you can blame Gentry for that. You can blame their lack of being ready to go. There's a lot of things that, you know, factored into that. So it could happen. It might not happen. I mean, we just heard this statement by Griff. Ali Cosell went ahead and tweeted it out, and I'll read it out to you for those who missed it. I retweeted it on Twitter if you want to see it there as well. This is per David Griffin. Drew and Lauren, his wife, are special people, and they've been special parts of this team, and they've been a special part of the community. So when you read something like that, i.e. Sham Sharania's tweet, you think something must have happened as though it was newsworthy that they were listening to trade discussions around a player. That's our job. We've done that since I got here. We've had similar conversations at last year's trade deadline. Nobody's actively attempting to do anything different than we were before. We're trying to build a team that can be highly competitive today and build towards a sustainable future. If that means that Drew is a part of that, that's special for us because he loves being with us and we love the way he plays. If the best way to build towards that future and the best way to put him in the best position to succeed is for him to be traded, then that's what ends up happening. But those things come about because you're trying to build to that sustainable future and Drew's trying to put himself in the best position to win. We're grateful he's done that with us and we see no reason to believe that's not going to continue. So very professional way of going about that for Griff, obviously Drew is cherished in New Orleans. That's well established, not only for his play, but for who he is as a person. But, I mean, we've heard it so many times before. It's a business. We don't know how it's going to shake out. We don't know if he will be around. And based on what Griff just said, there's no guarantee that he will or will not be around this upcoming season. And like he said, he's doing his job. Trajan Langdon, Swin Cash, the entire front office, they're doing their job. I don't know that... This is something that uh, that the report is something that Griff was irritated about or just felt like he had to address it, but there you go. That's it. And I mean, you know, like I said, we've been talking about this. This has been a conversation since pre-trade deadline of this last season and maybe even before that for, for Drew to leave New Orleans. And here on the pod, we've pretty much talked about it since March when everything went down. That That's when the conversation really ramped up for a lot of people. And I mean, from, from not just me, but other podcasts around New Orleans and New Orleans media. And 
maybe we were right. Maybe it's really going to come to fruition here in the, the next month or so before the season starts. Maybe it'll wait till the trade deadline. Who really knows? Not me. I can tell you that. But there are some possible things that could come to fruition that we've talked about on the podcast. Obviously, we had members of the media from the Nuggets, the Nets, the Bucks, the Warriors, the Pacers, the 76ers, and the Heat in the Drew Holiday trade series. Given that what Sham said is basically that contenders are reaching out or, or could be reaching out to the Pelicans, not all of those names necessarily apply. And I thought two other names could really be added to that list that we may very well do a Drew Holiday trade series on, and that's the Celtics and the Clippers. So we'll see if that you know, if something does come to fruition soon, this has been a topic of conversation for Pels fans and people that just follow the NBA in general about Drew getting traded. I mean, it's been a conversation for a long time, and this news coming from Shams just has to emphasize the fact that it's much more likely to happen now. Now, I've got my speculations, and we'll get into that soon, but like I said, those seven teams that we covered the, the few that I don't necessarily count as contenders are going to be the Pacers and 76ers for, for this coming title. Depends on how you define contenders. If you look at a team as the possibility to make the NBA Finals, then 76ers, Pacers are out the window for me. 76ers don't have enough shooting. They couldn't figure out what they've got. Pacers, obviously, they're kind of a... They're not necessarily a... a uh, shit show or anything like that but they're not ready to compete for an nba title miles turner might be on the move victor oladipo could be on the move who knows what the heat are going to look like this upcoming season if the bucks are going to look good and, and be prepared to take on the heat and maybe they'll actually do some adjustments in the playoffs there's a lot of different things that could happen with a lot of these teams but in terms of contender the way i see it it's got to be a team that has the possibility of fighting for an nba championship now, factor that into consideration when looking at these teams that uh, that we talked about before, and then the Celtics and the Clippers. And obviously, I mean, we've heard about Atlanta and, and Dallas being a possible destination. Dallas, that makes sense. Do I see them as an NBA title contender? No, they don't have the defense. And then there's Atlanta, and maybe they'll make the playoffs this year if they get a veteran, but they're not a title contender. So you can count them in, you can count them out, whatever. Now, those four, the, the, there's those seven teams that I mentioned, right? And if you look at four of them, there's clear reasons why the Pels would not make a trade with them. And for the Warriors, we talked with Syrit Satsaz of the Warriors 24 podcast, and he said more than likely this offseason, if they're going to make a move, it's going to be for, for a center, right? I mean, they, they're missing KD now. This is their first season where they'll be completely healthy without KD. They have Steph, they have Clay, they have Draymond. Draymond's a four. Steph is great off ball. Clay is great off ball. They just don't have a lot of money to work with. And they've got the trade the trade exception. So what they'll probably do if they don't draft Wiseman or a Kungwu, which I'd be very surprised if they grab a Kungwu at two, is they'll probably package that maybe with Andrew Wiggins. Again, Cyrus said that they're probably going to hold on to Wiggins. One way or another, they're going to try to get a big. And perimeter defense, they've got Clay. Draymond's a good defender, but is he a perimeter defender? Uh, you know, take your pick. But I don't see them necessarily as a destination, especially after our conversation with Cyrus. Then the Heat, apparently they're not willing to give up Tyler Hero. And just about anybody else on their roster, they're going to have to sign and trade, unless you want to get Duncan Robinson Duncan Robinson is a fantastic shooter. He's a hard worker. He's just not good on defense, and he can't do much else offensively besides catch and shoot. So, meh. I would want Tyler Hero, that that guy, to be the the main piece in a trade with the Heat, unless they're able to sign and trade somebody or or what have you. But I, I would count the Heat out. I would count the Warriors out from those the, those four there. Then the Pacers, not only are they not a contender in my mind's eye, but you'd probably need a third team in order to make a trade happen. Pels are going to want Miles Turner. They're probably going to want other young assets that the Pacers really just don't have. And then you look at the 76ers. Like I said, they're more, well, they don't have any shooting. They're not a contender. And they're probably not going to be willing to give up Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons quite yet. I don't see that being a possibility. 
Uh, so, so you can probably count them out. You look at the Celtics. I mean, they had a great core this last year, but they also need a center. I mean, if the Pels can get Jalen Brown or Marcus Smart out of that deal, and then maybe some of their assets, I, I could look into it. You look at the Clippers, and they've got Avika Zubak, who I love, and I think he'd be a great fit at center for the Pels. Tre- Montrez Harrell, Trez. And I don't think we got to see what he's really capable of in the bubble. I think he was out of shape because of, I think it was the death of his mom or his grandma due to COVID, which was really sad, but he just wasn't ready to go in the bubble. So we saw really a shell of him. If you want to see what Trez can bring, you're going to have to look at the regular season. I mean, he was the sixth man of the player of the year for a good reason. Sixth man of the year this this year for a good reason. And then there's Landry Shamit, who I know the Clippers like. Good shooter, young guy. And still has a lot of room to grow in the NBA. Played with the 76ers, ultimately was traded to the Clippers, I think a couple seasons ago, or or maybe, I don't know, two or three seasons ago. Young guy out of Wichita State. So I would like to have him in New Orleans as well. Would they be able to get all three? I doubt it. Chances are it would have to be centered around a sign-in trade for Montrez Harrell because contracts wouldn't necessarily work in a trade with the Clippers that included Drew Holiday going there. Obviously, I don't want Lou Williams. Doesn't play defense. 34 years old. Is he a bucket? Yes, but he makes bad decisions. I mean, it was clear he went to a strip club when he should have been in the bubble. And just just stupid. He's not a leader. You don't want that guy on your team. So, at least I don't. I don't want him in New Orleans. There's so many different reasons why. But he's just not a good enough replacement for Drew. I'd rather keep Drew than take Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell or Ibika Zubak or Landry Shamit. But a package of those three, I would definitely be interested in. Now, you might be wondering, those other three teams, Denver, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, where do they fall? So I tweeted this out today. If you're really looking at contenders... And contenders that can give something up, I see it being these three teams. Denver, Brooklyn, Milwaukee. I don't have any sources on this. Again, this is speculation. This is what I see. This is how I evaluate the whole situation. I see that these three teams are contenders. I see that these three teams have things to give up. That includes draft picks, despite their ability to compete for a title probably this coming year depends on how you feel about Brooklyn I think uh, Kevin Durant's really going to elevate their play and and having Steve Nash as head coach is really going to improve them as well so depends on how you feel about that but I see the Nets being a title contender especially if those two can he and Kyrie can figure out that dynamic and they can stay healthy so there's a lot to that but let's start with the Nets Again, these are these are three teams that we had on for the Drew Holiday trade series. If you want to go back and listen to those, you can. We had Nolan Jensen for for the Nets, Jordan Trusky for the Bucks, and then Harrison Wind for the Nuggets. Those are all awesome podcasts. If you want to check them out, go ahead and do that. But wait till the end of this episode. So let's start with the Nets. Jarrett Allen has got to be on the table for the Nets. That's one guarantee that that the Pels really just have to... If, if, if this is a two-team trade, we're approaching these all like two-team trades. If anybody's guaranteed to be on this trade offer, I'm going to say it's probably going to be Jarrett Allen. The other ones are kind of up in the air that I've listed here, and we'll get to those in a second, but... Allen has really been the one consistent in a tr- consistent piece in a trade that involves Drew Holiday going to Brooklyn. And it's because of what he brings at his position. I mean, durability. Played in 70 plus games all 3 years he's been in the NBA at 20ish or around 26 minutes, 20ish his first year, 26 minutes the last 2 years over his career. And then he's I mean, he's got a career free throw percentage of close to 70% which it's actually gotten worse as he's gotten older, which you don't like. But again, should the Pels be able to retain Fred Vinson? He's kind of the end-all be-all for fixing everybody's jump shot. <laughs> that's that's the way we've talked about it anyway. Is he a miracle worker? 
kind of. You fix Alonzo Ball's jump shot, you're you're pretty much a career uh, changer. So and, and to continue what he's brought to the team in, in Brooklyn, Jarrett Allen averaged 11.1 points, 9.6 rebounds, and 1.3 blocks a game this last year. So kind of a double-double machine he was in Brooklyn for the Nets the last two years. Obviously, a guy who can protect the rim with that 1.3 blocks a game and gets boards around the rim at that 9.6 rebounds per game. And here's the thing is that he and Jackson Hayes, while Hayes has a lot more athleticism, probably more explosion and more upside because he was just a rookie this last year. He's been working on his jump shot. They're similar. Both went to Texas, both high ceilings coming into the NBA. Allen will probably continue to be a double-double sort of guy, maybe eventually get up to like 15 points a game with like 12 boards, which would be awesome. That'd be that'd be great for the Pels. But in all reality, should Jackson Hayes not be able to develop that jump shot, they're going to be similar. And if you have two young guys that you can rotate with, have in your rotation, whether Allen's the starter and Hayes comes off the bench, and you don't get another center in the draft or or in free agency, what have you, I like that rotation. I, I think you I think you start Allen. I think you get him the majority of the minutes, and then Hayes gets 15 minutes a game, something like that. Nothing extravagant, but uh, he's a veteran, and he's... He's Derek Favors, but he's a young, better Derek Favors. I mean, like we've talked, we've just really pooped on Derek Favors this entire offseason and especially post-bubble. And I think Allen would be a drastic improvement immediately for, for the center position and for the Pels. I mean, he can compensate for Zion's inability to protect the rim when they're both on the floor. And obviously, Hayes is really stunk at that. I think SVG will make him a lot better at that in New Orleans this upcoming year. And I think he'll be really good for Jared Allen, too. I think SVG would love to have Jared Allen on his roster. I mean, he's had big centers. He's made centers better. I mean, that that free throw percentage at 69.4%, SVG is going to improve that, and he's going to improve it quick. To boot, Allen's been under Kenny Atkinson, who clearly did a lot for his development. Allen can bring that to Jackson Hayes, who not only will be learning from the staff, SVG included, but can le- learn from this guy, Jared Allen. And, you know, he doesn't appear to be the most vocal guy in the world, but this, I mean, this includes, I mean, this makes Jack- Jackson Hayes under not only Derek Favors for part of his career, but Jared Allen, who's a little bit younger, maybe more likely to relate to him as well. Another piece the Nets could give up would be Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie has transcended really what he was in his first few years, which were actually with Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. Now, I don't know what their relationship was like. That might be a a question for Duncan Smith at some point in time, should he be back on the podcast, Forbes expert on the Pistons, who was with us just a week or two ago. That relationship could be rocky. Spencer Dinwiddie Dinwiddie didn't become Spencer Dinwiddie until he was in Brooklyn with Kenny Atkinson. In Detroit, Dinwiddie averaged about 13 minutes a game and really didn't contribute to the team much. So, that relationship could be a little rocky. I haven't heard that anywhere else. I I, I don't think it's it's something that's well documented, but I could see that happening. I could see that being an, itch, an issue. Not necessarily a massive issue, not necessarily something that means Dinwiddie would absolutely be against the idea of going to New Orleans. But it's 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 a possibility. I mean, look at his his ascension when he went to Brooklyn. By year 2 in Brooklyn, his minutes more than doubled under Kenny Atkinson, and in 2019-2020 without KD and no Kyrie for a majority of the season, he averaged 20.6 points, 6.8 assists and 3.5 boards per game. He's also a career 79% free throw shooter and a career 32% three-point shooter, which isn't fantastic. But Dinwiddie has gotten astronomically better in the last few years, really a, a dominant ball handler, so he can compensate for Drew Holiday's touches now that he's gone. He could maybe even transition to shooting guard, but if he does play point guard, he's a 6'5 point guard who's not afraid to attack the rim, and it gives you the option to move Lonzo. 
if they bring in Spencer Din Dinwiddie and go out and get like Kyra Lewis or or somebody else later in the draft, who we'll talk about just here in a second, at that point guard position, that gives you the option to trade Lonzo, maybe to New York, maybe you get that eighth pick, maybe you grab Killian Hayes. He and, and Dinwiddie are, are kind of similar. Scoring point guards, decent passers. I think that'd be a really formidable duo going forward for the Pelicans. Tyrese Halliburton. There's plenty of point guard talent in this year's NBA draft. I think if you get any of those three plus Spencer Dinwiddie, you're set at the point guard position. And with this other guy who I'm about to mention, the backcourt in New Orleans could be really damn good. On top of already having Zion and Brandon Ingram. And that guy's name is Joe Harris. Incredible shooter. Career 42.5%. And two seasons ago, shot 47.4% from deep in 2018-2019. That is unreal unparalleled that doesn't happen we i mean 42.5 percent is excellent 47.4 percent is otherworldly i mean he averaged 14.5 points and 4.3 rebounds per game last season too our guy our nets guy who i mentioned just a little bit ago nolan jensen somewhere he feels a disturbance in the force as i'm as i'm recording this podcast because that man has the biggest man crush on joe harris that i have ever even could fathom in in my life i mean harris made two and a half threes per game this last season shot six per game the dude is is a bucket from three i mean he you get him an open shot behind the three-point line he's gonna make it and he's he's not afraid to launch at at any point in time he's efficient he's a guy that provides a lot of consistency and I mean, he's another guy who developed under Kenny Atkinson, which could help other shooters on this team in New Orleans because he's just straight up made them better. I mean, you look at J.J. Redick in, in his prime, 2015-2016 was his best year from three, 47.5% from three. So almost exactly the same as Joe Harris in terms of numbers for their best year. Now, JJ's a bit a bit a bit more of a dynamic score going up to 18.1 points per game in 2018-2019 for the 76ers who were kind of understaffed They're not a, not a deep team but Redick and, and Joe Harris are similar in terms of their ability to fill it up from deep Redick did shoot more from from three-point land in his career typically averages some more attempts per, per game from three but Harris is a guy who would immediately step in and fill that role maybe start at the two and he's just a he's just a damn good shooter just a damn good shooter leader not so much I, I don't see him being that for this team like JJ Redick was not a vocal guy but I, I mean that's that's what I know I could be very wrong about that but Harris is going to fill it up from deep either way the thing about that is if the Pels want to get Joe Harris they're probably going to have to give up J.J. Redick. And also, Harris is a free agent. I'd be freaking shocked if he doesn't go back to the Nets. So it would have to be a sign-and-trade. But the Pels would probably have to give up J.J. Redick in a situation like that. And I just don't see that happening. With SVG coming in and Redick being so integral and them hiring SVG, that just that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Would I love to have Joe Harris? I mean, he's a younger version of J.J. Redick. Yes, please. Can we get him for the next three years? Yes, please. Can the Pels get him for the next three years? Yes, please. Would love that. Would love every second of it. Do I want to give up J.J. Redick? No. I don't. I really don't. The other one that hasn't been too hot of a name that people are like, yeah, I got to get him. For, for the Pelicans is, is Torian Prince. He's a guy who contributes off the bench. I mean, he's a decent shooter. Averaged 12.1 points and, and six rebounds this season while shooting 34% from deep. So, eh. I mean, I was told by another Nets guy, Billy, I want to say his name's Reinhardt or Reinhardt. I think it's Reinhardt. Reinhardt. 
but he, he said that Prince has negative value, so so maybe not. I, I don't necessarily want Prince in a trade, but if he does provide some value off the bench, scoring off the bench for the Pels, sure. Uh, I'm not necessarily opposed to it. I don't know a whole lot about Prince other than that stat line and the fact that Reinhardt told me that he has negative value. So, eh, not really into that. The last and final piece that everybody kind of seems to want from Brooklyn is going to be Karis Levert. I have been a big proponent of Levert since the get-go in a trade scenario with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, I like Levert, and I like him as a second unit scorer. I think that's where he would do best with the Pels. I think that sort of rotation is where he fits in best. Could he ultimately be a starting shooting guard? next to Zoe and Brandon Ingram at the one and three, he'd, he'd be the two. I could see that. But he'd probably have to switch it up a little bit. He is a he is a ball handler. He is not a point guard. He's a scorer. I mean, yeah, he'd kind of compensate for Drew's touches, but you'd have to figure out how he could run the offense. He want, he'll want the ball in his hands. He's not a big ego guy. He just wants to win. But, I mean, he averaged 18.7 points per game this last season. Shot 36% from deep, 42% from the field, 71% from the line. He's a scorer. He's a scorer. That's what he's going to be known for. I mean, he averaged 4.4 assists this last game, or this last season career high, which isn't fantastic. 4.2 rebounds a game. That 18.7 points per game is very glaring on his stat sheet. And that has to reflect the fact that Kyrie wasn't healthy, obviously. Uh, he and, and Dinwiddie were more than likely their, their two main scorers for Brooklyn. It's just about fit with Karras. He's a talented player. He really is. And, and should the Pels bring him in, I'd be excited. It'd just be about fit. It, it would just be about fit. And, and should he be a second unit guy, I think that's where he would do best, be a primary ball handler for the second unit, and, and provide some scoring when it's needed. I think he'd be good at that. He's a he's a good isolation guy, but Pels really already have their two isolation guys. And I mean, in, in terms of isolation ball where somebody takes the ball at the top of the key and everybody goes to the corner, that's going to be Brandon Ingram, or you're going to get the ball to Zion Williamson and he's going to score down low. Those are your two guys. So if you can incorporate Karras into that, if you can play off ball, then he, he'll fit in and I think he'll fit in just fine. Those are the, the players that we know of. Those are known commodities for the Nets, but they also own the 19th pick in this year's NBA draft. And should the Pels grab that in, in a situation and, and get that from the the Nets, I mean, there's a lot to possibly be grabbed there. There's Tyrese Maxey, Tyrell Terry, who's skyrocketing up, skyrocketing up draft boards, Malachi Flynn, I think that'd be a bit of a reach. Desmond Bain is right there. Jalen Smith, Desmond Bain, who is probably going to be the top three-point shooter in this year's draft. So, and we talked about Jalen Smith being another guy who's a floor spreader at, at, at the power forward position, play opposite of Zion. And and Flynn is a point guard. Tyrell Terry's a point guard. Terry's, Tyrese Maxey is probably going to be a shooting guard kind of guy um, if he plays for the Pels. So lots of options with the Nets. I, I see the this team or the Nuggets really being the two primary teams that have the assets to, to move with the Pels to, to get something from the Pels in, in Drew Holiday plus JJ Redick, maybe, uh, and give up a decent amount in return. I mean, that's what four players that I listed Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, Karis Levert, and then that 19, there are five players, Torian Prince, and then that, the, that pick. So obviously, they're not going to get all of that in a package deal. But those are players that could possibly be up for being shipped to New Orleans in one way or another. Ultimately, what I see happening here is probably giving up uh, the Brooklyn, giving up Spencer Dinwiddie, Jarrett Allen in that 19th pick 
And if they're going to get more from that, it would probably be Torian Prince, not Karis LeVert, unfortunately. I like Dinwiddie a lot. I think he can, like I said, I like that option to move Lonzo if you really want to. But Jarrett Allen has got to be a part of this trade. More than likely, that 19th pick is going to be complimentary, but it's all about what happens on top of that. I mean, if the Pels get Karis LeVert and have him as a primary scorer with the second unit or maybe even an off-ball shooting guard in the first unit, I like that too. It's They've got to be able to figure it out. But one way or another, the Nets are going to be able to give up something to get Drew Holiday. And him being their third star in Brooklyn would be very ideal for, for them and him, I think. It also gets him it gets Drew out of the West which is fantastic for the Pels. You don't want to make anybody else better in the West if you don't have to. So there's your pitch for the Nets. Now, speaking of the West and making the West better, Denver Nuggets are my second team here, at least what we've got so far in what could be trade options for the Pelicans moving forward. And... There's a few different situations here. There's a decent amount of players that the, that the uh, Nuggets could give up in order to get Drew Holiday. And this has been a conversation, especially since the trade deadline. Been talking about this for a while now. Now, more than likely, in, in our based on our conversation that we had with Harrison Wind, Pels aren't going to be getting Jeremy Grant or Michael Porter Jr. They're just not. They, in all likelihood, they're off the table. We'll consider it here just in case, but in all likelihood, they are off the table for the Pelicans in a trade scenario for Drew Holiday. There are a few guys that will probably definitely be available for Denver, and the first one here that we've really been pushed towards by a lot of Denver people is Gary Harris. Should Harris really be the main piece in this trade scenario? I don't think so. I mean, there was a while there where we thought he was going to be like a low-level star. But his role and his value have begun to decrease ever since he got paid. And those are guys that you more than likely just don't want to go after. Because I got paid, now I don't have to ball out. Okay, well, looks like you're not going to get paid again unless you ball out again in your contract year and a bad team gives you a payday. So... Harris is a guy that I kind of want to stay away from, but he also does, I mean, he has value. It's just decreasing. I mean, in 2017, 2018, he averaged 17 and a half points while shooting nearly 40% from three in 34 minutes. But this season, different story. 10.4 points shooting 33% in 32 minutes, 33% from the field, I should say, in 32 minutes a game for the Nuggets. Still a good perimeter defender, so yeah, he wouldn't replace Drew. Uh, Gary Harris, there's no way he's replacing Drew. He's replacing Drew's position at the shooting guard and the fact that he's a perimeter defender. Is he as good at a defender as Drew Holiday? Hell no, but obviously you're going to get more assets on top of this, and Gary Harris is probably going to be a guy that can step in and at least play that sort of role. Not as well as Drew Holiday, but to a degree. Um, like I said, they just got to get more in a deal. Besides, I mean, it can't be Gary Harris, Drew Holiday straight up. Hell no. Pels say no to that in a heartbeat. Another player that would be solid for the Pels to get from the Nuggets is Monte Morris. I love Monte Morris, especially if he were to become a, a Pelican. I think he is a solid second-string Point guard, second string, off the bench. <laughs> this isn't football. Off the bench, point guard, probably behind Lonzo. He's definitely a tr more traditional point guard, uh, like Chris Paul type, because we don't really have those anymore. I mean, nine points, three and a half assists in 22 minutes this last year. That's your classic backup point guard when, you, when you're looking at traditional point guards. Career 40%, three-point shooter. Can run the offense in the half court, solid ball handler, get to the basket. I mean, he's going to finish around the rim too, unlike somebody else that we know with the last name Ball and the first name Lonzo. 
could be a starter in a situation as well where where Zoe is hurt or could even just take over his starting position if if Zoe doesn't continue to get better. And I like Monte Morris a lot. I think he'd be an excellent piece to acquire in a trade with the Pelicans. Now here is the piece that's going to be a little bit more contentious. Um, it's a high risk, not high risk, high potential piece. Not a guy that I necessarily would absolutely love to have for a lot of reasons, but the potential's there and we have to acknowledge that. Bull Bull is a guy who could be something in this league, a kid who could be something in this league. There's no guarantee. There's just not with this this type of player. He he's got all the tools. You know, I mean he's a he's a twig, but he's got all the physical tools. Should he put on some weight? He's got the athleticism, the ability to handle the ball at that size is crazy. Shooting capabilities. But but it's about his health. It's about whether or not he really cares about basketball. It shows some semblance of motor coming uh, to, to, to the Pelicans, and he's got to improve his decision-making and his shot selection. This isn't college basketball anymore. He's not the primary scorer, especially in Denver, and sometimes he acted like it. And he can't do that in, on a team that has Zion and Brandon Ingram. You just can't, especially now. I mean, he's a two-way player for a reason. If he was really, really that good, he wouldn't be a two-way player. Yes, he was hurt. Fine. He also... I mean, there was the hype on Bull Bull for a lot of reasons in the bubble. But he's just not that great yet. Again, potential 1,000% there. I think if he becomes what he could be, he'd be incredibly complimentary to Zion and Brandon Ingram. I really do. I, I genuinely believe that. But the likelihood that that happens and it comes to complete fruition, I don't think is super high. I really don't. I haven't seen a lot of Bull Bull where I think he has a high motor or he really loves basketball. I just haven't. And maybe that's just his personality. Maybe he's just not, you know, a huge exuberant guy. I don't know. But he doesn't appear to have a deep love for basketball like some some basketball players do. I just I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. If you can point me to tape that says otherwise, show it to me. I'll I'll watch it, and if my mind has changed, my mind has changed. But uh, I'm not in love with the idea of getting Bull Bull. Should he be a complimentary piece in a trade with the Nuggets? Okay, cool. Let's roll. See if we can get him to be better. See if we can get him to be a consistent player, to stay healthy, to contribute. And let's let's roll. Let's roll. You look at assets as well. 22nd overall pick is available from the Nuggets should they be willing to give that up. And around that 22nd spot, it's pretty close to 19. So looking at those names that I mentioned just a second ago, you know, the Tyrese Maxis, Tyrell Terry's, Malachi Flynn, Desmond Bain, Jalen Smith. Possibilities there. Possibilities there for that 22nd pick as well. Now, the two names that we've basically been told no sorry, is is Jeremy Grant and Michael Porter Jr. And as much as that sucks, we got to talk about it because this is going to give us a little bit of hope. I love both of these players, Jeremy Grant more than MPJ, but they're both going to be, I mean, MPJ is going to be pretty damn good at some point in time. You know, if, there, if there's an option for Grant, you take it and you take it and you run with it. You, you probably want Grant plus Morris or Grant plus Bowl or Grant plus that pick or Maybe Grant plus Morris plus the pick. Um, you could also look at a situation where Michael Porter Jr. plus Gary Harris or MPJ plus Morris Bull in a pick or, or something to that effect because MPJ has only played a little bit. I mean, he's got a, he's a guy who can be a stud eventually, but he's only played a few games in the NBA. 9.3 points, 4.7 rebounds in 16 minutes per game. He looks really good. we got to give him that. But we also have to be smart about this. We have to recognize injury history. We have to recognize the fact that he's not good defensively. 
he's going to be good. I, I really do believe that. I'm not saying that I don't think that, but we got to factor everything in. So if you're going to get Michael Porter Jr., obviously can't do it straight up because of money, but you got to get something else that's going to make the money work. And in all reality, I guess now that I have said it, those smaller pieces probably won't make the money work. Only way that's really more than likely going to make the money work is if you get Gary Harris and Michael Porter Jr. And that would probably, that'd be good. That'd be good. Gary Harris, you get a shooting guard. Michael Porter Jr., you get possibly third star of the future. So if you can make that work, cool. Now, as far as Grant, this is probably going to have to be a sign-in trade sort of situation because he did opt out of his player option. Also, he, he did say that he was, I think I saw that he wanted to say stay in Denver, uh, but he's worth more than $9.3 million, and that's what was going to be offered to him. So... Grant is very solid defensively. I, We've talked about it before. Need a 3 and D wing in New Orleans. That's the guy. Grant is the guy. Done. Sign me up. He's the ideal grab. We've talked about Mo Harkless. We've talked about the Morris twins. But if you can get Jeremy Grant in this position, solid. Sold. I'm in. See you later, Drew. Straight up. I don't know about that. Probably want that pick as well. Or, or maybe Monte Morris. But, man. I, I love Jeremy Grant. I mean, you look at his stat line and nothing really pops out to you. 12 points, three and a half rebounds on 30 uh, and 39% from three and 26 and a half minutes per game. But it's, it's that defensive value. I mean, he's, he's also 26. He's got pretty extensive experience in the NBA with the thunder. And then with the nuggets competed in a lot of playoff games, maybe not a lot. That might be a stretch, but I mean, Antonio Daniels is on this podcast. We talked about Jeremy Grant. He said it. I mean, you could hear it in his voice. Adoration for Jeremy Grant. Antonio Daniels was all in on that. I love Jeremy Grant, to quote Antonio Daniels there. So, again, a lot of options with, with the Nuggets. More than likely, MPJ, Jeremy Grant going to be off the table in a situation like that. But what you're gonna more than likely going to be seeing if there's a package with the Nuggets, is going to be something to the effect of Gary Harris, Monte Morris, Bull, Bull in that 22nd pick. It's just based on contracts and, and players that the Nuggets aren't going to be willing to give up. It's more than likely going to have to be centered around Jeremy Grant or Gary Harris just to make the money work. So there's that. To the third and final team of what I believe to be real contenders for Drew based on a lot of things being contenders in the NBA and, and uh, having the assets to make a move for Drew. The Bucks aren't a team that I necessarily see this happening, but they're, they're the least likely of these three teams. Obviously, I've said how much I like the Nuggets and the Nets, their, their potential to make a move for Drew. But the Bucks are a team that could really improve should they add Drew Holiday and hold on to Chris Middleton in the process. Obviously, the Pels should see if they'd be willing to give up Chris Middleton, but I don't see it happening. So, one way or another, if the Pels don't get Chris Middleton, this trade is going to have to be focused around Brooke Lopez. There's nobody else on this roster, considering age, considering contracts considering potential it's got to be centered around brooke lopez brooke lopez we know what he is there's not really potential there but as far as his fit in new orleans there's potential but just as far as growth not so much he's got to be the piece that this trade is surrounded or centered around he's just gotta I mean, he fits with the Pels roster basically perfectly. I mean, he's a veteran. He's a rim protector. He's a spacer. Average 12 points, 4.6 rebounds in 26 minutes last season. Career 34% three-point shooter. This dude would it'd be plug and play. I mean, he would fit perfectly if, if you want to go big in New Orleans. If you want Zion to be the four and you want a five, like a bona fide five on the court, Brooke Lopez is it. That is perfect. Rim protector defensively, spacer offensively. Way better option than Aaron Baines that we've talked about. If you can get Aaron Baines for cheap, by all means, but if you can get Brooke Lopez and, and get him around for a few years with this team, I love that, especially if you're in a win-now situation. I love Brooke Lopez. He's got to be what this is centered around if the, the Bucks aren't willing to give up Chris Middleton. Got to get complimentary pieces too. Can't just straight up be Brooke Lopez. They just can't. 
the other complementary pieces that you're looking at here is is more than likely going to be Dante DiVincenzo, who is a Villanova guy, young, athletic, kind of defensive-minded, but did average 9.2 points, 4.8 rebounds in 23 minutes last season. Also a shooting guard. He's a young shooting guard. So, I mean, there, there's that for you. DiVincenzo, I mean, he's another... I don't want to say he's another Josh Hart because he's not. Josh Hart's more of a... a uh, grit and grind kind of player whereas DiVincenzo is but not to the same degree I think the more Nova guys you get on your team the better off you are honestly for a lot of reasons not necessarily drastically better but they just make you better they're smart kids they're they're good at basketball they know what they need to do on the floor to contribute and they fill their roles and DiVincenzo is another guy like that plus I said like I said he's young and he'll contribute so again complimentary piece not a not a piece that this is centered around by any means Another complimentary piece, Ayrson Ilyasova. This guy's a journeyman. I think he's 32 or 34, I want to say. I'll, I'll have to look that up. But this dude has been on every team and back. I, I love watching him play. I, I saw him with the 76ers just a few years ago. I thought he was perfect for what they needed. I mean, go back to 2016, 2017 when the, the, the 76ers were starting to get good. 14.8 points per game, 5.9 rebounds. Also shot, let's see here, 36% from three, career 36.5% three-point shooter. Didn't play a ton this season with the with the Bucks in 15.7 minutes a game, but played in 63 games, so there's that. But he's just a really solid complimentary four it's a guy who can shoot he's long enough but i mean he's not a great rim protector six nine two thirty five so he's just he's a vet who's been all over knows how to win average between 10 and 13 points per game in his career five point five to six rebounds like i said 36.5 three point uh percentage for his career this is a guy who is a better version of melly like a way better version of Melly. <laughs> I like his fit on this team as a four, as a spacing four. If you want to go small, I think he's a better option as opposed to Melly. I really do. I, I think he'd, he'd be a good fit. Another foreign guy, played overseas, played in Spain professionally. And has spent a lot of time in the NBA as well. 16 seasons to be exact. So he's been around a while and has done a lot in the league. Now, I mean, you look at the rest of the roster for the Bucks, and I just I don't see much else. I mean, they have the 24th pick in this year's draft, so that's I mean, it's kind of around that's 19 to 24 range. A lot of those same players that I mentioned would be excellent there. Desmond Bain, I think, is going to be your best bet at 24, another shooter. But I'm not sure what else the Pels could get plus Lopez in this sort of trade. I mean, there's so much age on that roster. New Orleans wouldn't want Eric Bledsoe's contract. George Hill and Wesley Matthews are old and on expiring contracts. I know Wesley Matthews Matthews is at the very, at the very least. I mean, then what for youth? Pat Connaughton? DJ Wilson? I think I'm good. Like, if I want DJ Wilson, just draft Precious Achiowa or in like the 70th round because he sucks. <laughs> DJ Wilson's much more refined than Precious, but ugh, no thanks. No thank you. Now, if the Pels are able to get Middleton, they'll probably have to give up JJ Redick there as well. It'd probably be Drew plus JJ or maybe a situation where they give up Melly or, or or Nikhil Alexander-Walker as complimentary pieces in a Drew Holiday trade to get Chris Middleton. But then it becomes around, I mean, it becomes about fit. Does he play well next to Brandon Ingram? They're kind of similar. Can Middleton lead this team? Does he step up right away into that position? He's an older guy on a younger team. Again, very similar to Brandon Ingram in terms of style of play and, and size. Brandon Ingram's better, but I mean, Middleton makes him better defensively. 
He's a scorer, 20 points, six rebounds, four assists a game last season. Been an all-star. I mean, he's a good player. He's a good player. I just don't see it happening. If it does, by all means, but hey, that, that's definitely a fit issue. It's definitely a situation where the Bucks go, what does this do for us? Does this really move the needle for us? I think it moves them laterally. I've said this before. I just don't see Middleton being a piece that they're going to be willing to give up in a trade unless they give up somebody who's a perennial all-star, and Drew just isn't. He's just not. My guess in this situation is probably like a Lopez plus DiVincenzo plus pick kind of situation. That way you're getting Lopez, who is a veteran and fits really well with this roster. You get DiVincenzo, who is a shooting guard, pretty good defensively, athletic, young, out of Nova, and then the pick where you get two picks in the first round. Maybe you package them, maybe you move up in the top 10 to get Killian Hayes, Tyrese Halliburton, Devin Vassell, Patrick Williams, something like that. And you could do the same thing with that 19th pick, too, or the 22nd pick. So so there's options there as well with these three teams. And so there you go. This is a long podcast for me to just talk to myself for about 50 minutes, but hope you enjoyed it, Pels fans. Uh, we will go more into some of these other teams should more information be brought out. I, I feel like Atlanta and Dallas would be a really fun situation to try to figure out. So might do that here soon. Might add to the Drew Holiday trade series, talking Clippers and Celtics, Atlanta, Dallas. Uh, that would be interesting. We will uh, see what we can do. And may very well have another podcast coming out just like this one in a couple days. So stick around for that. Maybe a day. We'll see. But folks, thanks so much for tuning in today. A lot of fun. Uh, you know... I don't necessarily like talking about Drew Holiday leaving, but speculating is fun. Talking about possibilities is fun, and I appreciate you tuning in and listening to all those possibilities. Before you go, make sure you go follow at Elliot Clough on Twitter. That's E-L-I-O-T-C-L-O-U-G-H. That's Clough like rough and tough. Make sure you subscribe and or follow depending on where you're listening to this podcast you leave a rate and review do it on apple podcast should you be listening over there go check out believe.com for all of our believe affiliated podcasts the bird rights sb nation's pelicans affiliate hopefully i'll have an article up there soon about the draft once things start to blow over in, in terms of the election and maybe the drew holiday situation but uh we'll get there when we get there folks thanks so much for tuning in today I am Elliot Clough. This was Believe in New Orleans Pelicans. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.